Welcome to a brand new edition of Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. West Brom failed to make Watford pay at the Hawthorns. West Bromwich Albion won, Watford won. And how West Brom did not take care of business is beyond me. But Watford, incredibly enough, get out of the Midlands with a point. That's the focus of this edition of Welcome back to Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. West Brom failed to make Watford pay. Watford abominable in their performance against West Bromwich Albion at the Hawthorns on Monday night. But remarkably, they managed to get out of there with a point. How on earth did that happen? West Bromwich Albion thoroughly deserved to win this match. They dominated Watford from the off. Turned out that they had 19 shots in total to Watford's five. Watford didn't have any corners whatsoever in the entire match. That's 96 minutes of football. Just about 95 minutes of football. West Bromwich Albion, on the other hand, had 12 corners. Six of their shots were on target. They had more shots on target than Watford did the entire match. Watford didn't have a single yellow card. And maybe that's because their midfield didn't do any real tackling in the game. Maybe that's because nobody put themselves about in that midfield. The midfield was porous. It was weak. It was dull. It was not innovative. It lacked ideas. And it lacked substance. The only thing that worked for Watford in the game on Monday night was their front three. And their front three had moments of glimpses of something good, something glorious, something special. Well, the something special was on the 12th minute of the match, as in that 12th minute, Ismail Assar scoring his first goal for Watford since November the 20th, 2021, when from behind the halfway line in his own half, produced a moment that will be goal of the season, no doubt. He spotted the West Bromwich Albion keeper off his line and a moment of absolute glory. And here is how it sounded. Livermore. It's a good take by Ismail Assar, who spotted the goalkeeper off his line. Oh, my word. That is sensational. Ismail Assar has not scored for Watford since the win over Manchester United in November 2021. I think we can say it was worth the wait. An instinctive, innovative goal that puts Watford in front. Well, West Brom had possession. It was a simple header away by Cathcart, taken down brilliantly. And from inside his own half, he spotted the keeper off his line. That, quite simply, is sensational. Little look up. 
an accurate chip and Watford have the lead. Innovation and skill from Ismail Assar, as you just heard. It really was. And it's actually the second consecutive Monday now that Watford have had a counter-attacking goal. That's really where that came from. Cathcart in defensive uh, duty, heading the ball out, and then boom, it was Ismail Assar on the break, just taking a look at the goalkeeper off his line. Button was way off his line. And Saar accurately, pinpoint accuracy and the plomb, calmness, he made it really count. That was a spectacular goal from Ismail Assar. That'll probably be the best goal he ever scores. I don't know if he's ever done that before during a match, but certainly he's probably done it in training a few times. But my goodness me, to do it in that moment against the run of play, away from home, against the West Brom side that had been absolutely battering us, was quite a feat. I thought that he did very well in those moments in that first half, especially with that goal. And that was Watford's first shot on target. That was the 12th minute. And really, there was nothing else to speak of from Watford going forward on the attack after that. There were moments where Saar or Dennis had been played in. I think one of them hit the side netting not too long after that. So they did have a couple of opportunities, but they were really few and far between. The goalkeeper, Button, did not have much to do. So he was really buttoned down, except for that first half strike from Saar. Watford did not trouble him for most of the night at all. And that, again, is due to your midfield that is not giving your strikers the service that they need. It is the job of the midfield to be doing that, to thread those balls through, to create space. And the runs, of course, will have to help too. The runners in that front three will have to do their job to create space. But if the midfield isn't providing any link-up play, where are they going to get service from? A lot of this is manufactured by the front three themselves. We saw the first goal of the season that Watford scored. That was just last last week. That was manufactured by the front three, basically. It was Dennis's pass out wide to Saar and then Saar's pass across to João Pedro for the finish. Really, those were the three players that made that goal work. The midfield didn't have a real factor in that. They almost lost the ball in the counter-attacking build-up against Sheffield United last week. And in the game on Monday night, we saw, look, again, it was an opportunistic, it was a technical bit of excellence and brilliance from Ismail Assar. He did that all on his own. I wouldn't say it was instinctive. I want to give Assar more credit than that. There's a lot of skill involved trying to get that ball in that net. It's not easy to do that. From what? All of 50 plus 60 yards. It's not easy to do that on a dead ball run. Literally, that ball was almost still. I don't think he really took more than a touch and then he just absolutely gave it the business. Perfectly weighted. Absolutely superb goal from Ismail Azar. But that was a false scoreline. When Watford went ahead after that bit of excellence, goal of the season style from Ismail Azar, I was saying to people on social media, on Twitter, at UORNSWFC, that that was a false scoreline. It completely was against the run of play. And West Brom were undaunted, to their credit, undaunted by that goal from Saar. They kept battering the door, battering the Watford defense, which was really unbalanced. And I think that that defense has got to get shifted now. You can't have Semmer on his own out there on the left side. You can't do that to him. He works too hard for you. And he was getting undercut all night long. No support, nothing. 
And instead of putting Camera there on the left, you've got Semmer on the left and he's got no support. Camera's best position is on the left side of that four. Semmer has to drop back deep. He can't cover. He's not defensive as strong as he is in terms of when he goes forward. He's not that kind of player. And you've got to give Sema the opportunity to thrive in the areas he thrives in best. And it's not defending like that. He's better bringing the ball up. Sema can play on either the left or the right. So if you want to elevate him in, the, in that midfield, put him on the right side of it then. At least he'll give you some dynamic attack. He might be able to string a pass together to somebody. I don't know. But he doesn't work on the left. What you need to be doing is putting Camera on the left where he belongs in that back, th back four and putting Gaspar in on the right-hand side, the veteran player, to start these games. Stabilize your back four with those two on the left and right back sides. Go out and get yourself a left-footed left centre-back. And now that Sierralt is out injured, what, what are we going to do? When is Matty Pollock going to get a look in? When is he going to start one of these games? Is he going to start or is he going to go on loan? Those are just a few of the questions I could ask here on this episode of You On This WFC. I just don't know what else to say. But I do know that the defense is not covering itself in any glory. Had it not been for Daniel Backman, this would have been a calamitous night for Watford. They would have been hammered. West Brom would have been home and hosed. And Steve Bruce, the West Brom manager, has got to be shaking his head and probably has had a sleepless night, figuring why on earth, and, and trying to ask himself, why on earth did that happen to West Brom? Why on earth did my team not put this Watford team away? As a Watford fan, I'm disgusted by this performance, quite frankly. I'm happy that we got something out of this atrocious mess of a game that we played. But I am not happy about the performance. This reminded me of the game against Wolverhampton Wanderers last season in the Premier League when we just didn't turn up at all in that game. And we were down 3-0 in the first 20 minutes or so before we knew what hit us. And then early in the second half, the game was done and dusted or whenever it was in the second half and it was over. 4-0 we lost that game. It was one of the most abject performances Watford put on last season in a season of a lot of them. And this performance at West Brom on Monday night reminded me of that game. It was also in the Midlands. And it reminded me of that game, except Watford were very, very fortunate to come out of this championship affair with a point. Had West Brom converted their chance on the 19th minute of play, Grant somehow misses a sitter. He kicks the ball with the outside of his boot instead of with the inside of it. Had that gone in, it would have been a very different story. I think West Brom would have gone on and won the game because they would have scored about seven minutes after Saar scored for Watford. And I think West Brom would have gained much more momentum. As it was, Daniel Backman kept Watford in the game. Daniel Backman was the, ble the best Watford player on the pitch. Certainly the best Watford representative by far on Monday night. It wasn't even close. Daniel Backman made three or four acrobatic saves, some point-blank saves,
double save in within a 30 second span or so two saves in the in about a 30 second stretch in that first half he was very very good and he's getting better i think i wish he would command the the area a bit better he commanded it well last week not quite as well this week but i guess he didn't really have to because the defense well the defense was uh, doing all kinds of shenanigans i don't know what the defense was doing I don't know the how I don't know why they think that Route One football is going to work against a West Brom side that's got two tree trunks for centre backs. I mean these people these these lads are tall, and what's the point of hoofing the ball up to Watford players who don't have the size who can't hold up the ball as well? They don't have a target man unless you start Manai in these games. At least you can have him as a target man. Maybe he can hold up the ball for you. But if you're trying to get that ball up to Dennis or Saar or João Pedro, they are not going to be able to have that stick. That ball will go straight over their heads and right to one of the centre backs for West Brom. And they'll happily deal with that all game long. Thank you very much indeed. There needs to be a bit more expansiveness about Watford. What Watford had in game number one against Sheffield United was some expansiveness, some explosiveness. They had a better use of the pitch. They seemed to know where everybody was. They knew what their roles were, even if the defense in the midfield was still poor. When they went forward, Watford knew what they were doing and they were up for the game. Tonight, they were not up for the game. I think they were very content on Monday night to just see if they could wiggle their way through the game. And they were content to sit deep. And they did it very, very early in the game. They were at sixes and sevens. Missed time jumps. Bobbling balls. Not clearing the ball well enough. Not having any idea where the outlet ball was going. It was one of those kinds of performances for Watford. Midfield didn't have a clue. It didn't stick. And then the goal came for West Brom at the end of the first half, right in the injury time period of the first half. And you could expect that West Brom were going to score in this game. It would have been a crime, quite frankly, had that not happened. And I'm saying this as a Watford supporter. There's no question about it. Watford would have absolutely pulled off one of the great bank heists of all time. Even so, despite the fact that they did concede and got out of there with a point, Watford still pulled off one of the heists of this early part of the 21st century. Because to pull out of that game and get out of there with a point defies belief. They couldn't have played any worse. This was a reversion, as I said, to last season's Premier League form, where they were so abysmal. In fact, this was League Two performances that I saw tonight on this pitch. And it was half time, and it was 1-1, and you just didn't know what on earth what you were going to see in that second half. Did Rob Edwards tear into them? Did he just use this soft approach? What did he do? I would have thought that he would have changed things at halftime. But Rob Edwards did not do that. He kept with the same format. Didn't make a sub until the 75th minute or so. And one of those was an enforced sub. When Sierra Alta got injured. But before we get to the 75th minute, we got to the 73rd minute. And Ismail Lassar, who has scored from 50-odd-plus yards out in the first half, in the 73rd minute, could not score 
from the penalty spot from 12 yards out. His dragged ball to the goalkeeper of West Brom was more like a back pass to Daniel Backman. Of course, you can't really do back passes because, you know, that give you some trouble. But Ismail Asar, as excellent and as sublime as he was in the goal that he scored, was completely subliminal in the penalty kick that he missed. It was telegraphed like the one he missed, the two he missed against Manchester United last season. It was not shot with any conviction or any confidence. Ismail Assar can no longer be your de facto penalty taker for Watford. He was very good at it, of course, against Millwall two seasons ago in that key game at Vicarage Road in 2021, in April of that year, when he scored the only goal in the game that gave Watford promotion in that 1-0 win over Millwall at the Vic. But that was, what, over a year ago now. And two seasons back. It's now time for a different penalty taker at Watford. And the fact of the matter is, I would go with someone like João Pedro taking that penalty kick at this point. I think that João Pedro's got the pedigree, he's got the maturity, he's got the poise. He is a workman, he works his socks off. I would absolutely go with him. I might even go with Dennis as well. Because I think both of them would take better penalties. So I'm looking at João Pedro as my number one penalty taker. I'd have Emmanuel Dennis as the secondary penalty taker. But you cannot put Ismail Assar at the penalty spot anymore for Watford. You, you just can't do it. And had that ball been able to find the back of the net, it would have been really harsh on West Brom. And I didn't have a good feeling about the penalty at all for Watford once Saw was up there. I did not have a good feeling about it. In fact, on the Sunday focus that I did on the Yuan's WFC YouTube channel, I said that this game was going to end up honors even. I did say that. I said that it was going to be a draw, and it turned out to be correct because I said that the physicality of West Brom was going to trouble Watford, and they were going to be relentless. I said that the opening period of the game and the opening period of the second half were going to be really tricky for Watford and that they were going to have to weather a storm. And if they could, they might have a chance to take something more than a point out of the game. But I did say that this game was going to end on as even, and it did. That was the chance for Watford to really steal three points, and they couldn't do it. And again, it's, it's really poetic justice that Saw missed that penalty, because Watford would not have deserved this one bit from this game. West Bromwich Albion absolutely overran Watford in the midfield, in the defence, smothered them. Watford's pressing was very poor, did not see any urgency in their press like we saw it last week where they were very urgent about pressing. They sat too deep, didn't try any high line stuff, didn't try to disrupt West Brom at all. They played into the trap that West Brom laid for them and they very nearly came a cropper. They really very nearly did. That there was no sense of any passion about this Watford performance on Monday night. Nothing in it that gave you any indication that they had taken what they did against Sheffield United and brought it into the game against West Brom. Nothing at all. The entire team, with the exception of Daniel Backman, were passengers. And they looked like they wanted to hide from everybody. 
during the course of this match. No commitment to each other, no cohesion defensively, no ideas in midfield, nothing at all. And the manager, with the substitutions that he made, I don't think had a very good night. I don't think he did. And I do hope that he decides to put camera where he's strongest. On that left side. And the recruiting, it just, it just underlines to me, the recruiting just has not done nearly enough. And when you have people like Domingos Kina on the bench and Yasser Aspria on the bench, why aren't they being played? The game ambled on and ambled on and on and on. West Brom threatened again and again and again. But they could not find that winning goal that would have absolutely been justified. Had Watford lost this game, I would have had no complaints at all with the scoreline. I would still have complaints, of course, about the Watford FC performance. But I wouldn't have any complaints about the actual scoreline itself. But this was a most unsatisfying game to be watching. And it was an embarrassment. Team that's been newly relegated from the Premier League, you'd think that that team would be well up for these games. They certainly were last week. This week, it's that Jekyll and Hyde routine that we saw last season. This week, back to what we saw in the Premier League. Players that seemed to not have any real clue about where the ball was going and what they were going to do with it. Only João Pedro seemed to have any kind of composure on that pitch beyond Daniel Backman. And there were moments where Kayambi was decent. There were moments where Cabaselli showed you things. He went to war, took a lot of knocks for his troubles. But none of these players were really up to it tonight. Not the material that you want in a team that has aspirations to get back to the Premier League. It's all about the recruitment. And it's all about the fact that Watford don't have the financials to get a team out there that is going to scrap and scrape for 46 championship matches. They have roughly three weeks to get a clue here. The recruitment and the board have got to get this right. If they don't, we will be either in League One or marooned in the championship for at least another season or two. And there's no reason to bring a brand new manager in if you're not going to support him with some meaningful options. I'm going to talk a bit more about that in the next part of this podcast episode of Yuans. Welcome back to Yuans. I'm Omar Moore. West Brom failed to make Watford pay. A woeful Watford performance on Monday night at the Hawthorns. But amazingly enough, we get a point out of it. I guess that is the silver lining that you bring from this. Is that Watford did get a point on the board. They're on four points now after their first two games back in the championship. But the key really over these next few weeks is going to be what this board does. And what this recruitment is all about. Because it's been, to say the least... Thoroughly disappointing over the last few years. It has not been one of the strong suits of this organization. And it has to be soon. Otherwise, we could be facing another disappointing season. Now, I can hear you now, some of you, 
Oh, come on, it's just two games in, Omar. There's a long way to go yet. Well, it's true there's a long way to go yet. It's also true that you want to be able to tighten up this stuff now and not wait until January to do it when things are even more meager, even more scarce, and even more desperate. This board and this recruiting has got to be far more proactive and there need to be more chances taken with who you've already got. And I mean utilizing players that we've not seen play yet so far in the early infancy of this championship season. In the early infancy of this championship season, we need to see the full repertoire. If you're going to showcase Saar, if you're going to showcase Dennis, because it's likely that either both of them or one of them might be gone, even though I'm thinking that they might be around until January. I may well turn out to be very wrong about that very shortly. But if you want to do something to shake this team up, you're going to have to start looking at what you will get for Saar or Dennis. Obviously, on the back of Sars' performance last night, you might be getting something more for him than you did the previous week, although he did supply the assist. Saar has had a hand in both of the goals that Watford has scored so far this season in the championship. Of course, that key assist to João Pedro last week against Sheffield United, and then, of course, the wonder goal on Monday night against West Brom. So obviously Saar's value goes up. Even with the penalty miss, his value goes up if you look at it on aggregate in these first two games. Dennis, tonight, he tried. He wasn't as effective. But again, a lot of that is due, in my view, to the midfield, in quotes, that we have. And I want to know when this organization is going to allow players like Yasser Espria, players like Domingos Kina to play football for Watford. Aspria just got here. He's a midfielder. I think he's an attacking midfielder. We want to see what he can do. Can you put him on the pitch in one of these games? At least before the trade window ends, shuts. The window shuts. Come on, we want to see what these players can do. They're obviously not injured because if they were injured, they wouldn't be named to the bench. I think what's happened with Domingos Kina is an absolute joke. The guy has some room to play and he can certainly improve in some areas, but he will take a shot. He will take a chance. He will invigorate that midfield. He will actually do something with that midfield. He's a pretty good passer of the ball. I think he knows how to find space well. He creates space well with his runs. And he's not going to hoof the ball up and hope that someone who is not six foot six heads the ball and holds the ball up. He's not going to be doing that with a central defender getting ready to just say thank you very much. Put him in the game. Use him in these matches. See what he can do. If he falls on his face, we'll know what he's got and we'll know who and what we have. But you've got to do this now in the infancy of this championship season. I don't think it makes a lot of sense to play camera out of position. The man, as I said earlier, was your player of the season last season. Why are you going to upset that apple cart and now have a move over to the right-hand side? It's clearly not worked. Camera came off the pitch 
last night, and he was not a happy camper. Camera has got to start on that left side. I think every Watford fan knows it. You can't be putting people like Camera, who's a really good player, solid player for you, out of position. He's clearly more at home on his left side. We saw that last week when he was on the right-hand side. He tried to cross the ball. It was not very successful last week for him on that right side. It didn't work last night either. I think it's time that Rob Edwards thinks about pushing camera back over to the left. That midfield cannot stay the way it is. I think Kayembe has been pretty decent. But again, last night... None of that midfield really distinguished itself at all. It was not there. It's non-existent. I don't think Tom Cleverley should be starting these games. I think it's a crime, quite frankly, that he's even club captain. I think those days have come and gone for him. He was a leader on this team at one point. He had a good, robust attitude about the game. He was someone who really, he still does care about the game. And he's a really good person. But on the pitch... He is not that kind of leader anymore. He's just not that kind of leader now. It's painful to say it because I really like Tom Cleverley. He's been a very valuable servant and a loyal servant to this football club. But he is invisible on the pitch. He gets bulled off the ball. I mean, it's just like a rag doll. I mean, he got treated like a rag doll last night. He can't have that. Cleverly losing the, losing the your club captain routinely turning the ball over. And he's your midfield. He's your club captain. Getting bulled off the ball. It's embarrassing. I mean, they treated him like he was a seven-year-old out there. And it's embarrassing to watch this. That's your club captain. It's embarrassing. Put Yasser Espria in there. Start Dan Gosling. Do something. Invigorate that midfield until Loser comes back. When Loser comes back, we'll see what we can do. But there have to be Different alternatives here. You cannot be stubborn about this now. You can see, and the world can see, Watford fans across the world can see, that this midfield just doesn't have anything. It's really an embarrassment. I, I keep saying that word. It it's disgraceful. It's championship level. Championship level, and we look like we're League Two out there. Frightful stuff. Absolutely frightful. Now, the recruitment has got to get out there and do the best it can with the very little resources it has. We know that the financials at Watford aren't going to be there to get big money names. And we know that there's a budget that is very constrained. The purse strings are constrained. But I want Watford and I want the recruiting to utilize what they have. It's no good bringing in Yasser Espria if you're not going to have him play. It's no good having Domingos Kina. These are two young talents sitting on a bench if he's not going to be playing any of these games. He didn't even come in as a sub. And you bring in Dan Gosling in the 95th minute of a game. I don't know why. Why didn't you just start Gosling anyway? Why didn't you bring him in at the beginning of the second half? You saw that that game needed to be stabilized. Bring him in. I, I really don't understand what's going on. I don't understand what the plan is. You're bringing in a manager and you're not giving him 
the full use of his resources. I mean, none of these are his players. None of them. None of them are. I want to see what's going to happen here in these next three weeks in this transfer window. I am not very hopeful that Watford are going to get too much more than what they've got. Do you think they can get a cut rate, cut priced Premier League player to be the left-sided left centre-back? Do you think they can get a midfield stabiliser from the Premier League? Do you think they could get someone of that ilk to come in and fortify that midfield? I can't think of a name right now that Watford FC can get who's not going to cost them much of anything, who's going to be your stabiliser in that midfield, who'd want to even come to Watford and play in the championship to begin with. And what is happening with that defence? Is Matty Pollock going to get a game for Watford's first team in a Premier, in a, well, in a championship match? You know who I actually miss in that defence? You know who I actually miss? Ben Wilmot. I think Ben Wilmot would have given you something last night. But he's at Stoke City, or at least that's where he was last the employer of. I think he got a four-year contract with them. I think Peter Atebo's back at Stoke as well. Ben Walmart would have given you something out there last night. West Bromwich Albion had 70% possession. 70%. Manchester City-type possession. The film has to be studied endlessly for this particular game because Watford players have to see how poor they were in every facet of the game except going forward. And when Saar and Dennis leave the club, when they do, who on earth is going to fill that void? Where are the goals going to come from? They've had one goal last week and one goal last night. And both of those goals were on the counterattack. Where is the goal scoring going to come from? Who else on that team wants Saar and Dennis leave if they both leave? Who else is going to be scoring goals for this team? We don't know what Ray Minaj is made of yet. Ray Minai. We don't know what Ray Minai is made of. We haven't seen Vacoon Bio. Big fanfare bringing in Vacoon Bio. Woo! And we've not seen him at all. Maybe on the side of a milk carton. We've not seen him anywhere. Uh, have you seen him? Is he under the desk? Is he under the chair? Where, where is he? Akun Bio, where are you? Rob Edwards, what's happened to him? Did you hide him away somewhere? Could you put him on the pitch for 10, 15, 20 minutes to see what he does? I have no idea what's going on. And I don't think the Watford players do, especially after what we saw last night. No idea what was going on. It's Jekyll and Hyde. And I really do hope that this gets sorted because there's only a few days before we've got the next game against Burnley. Burnley, who looked very sharp so far, very strong in the first game of the season. I think they got a point in the second game of the season. But Burnley look like they are hungry. And they've got a manager named Vincent Company who is hungry. A manager who is accustomed to winning Premier League titles as a player. I really would like to see how Watford adjust 
from the debacle of last night to Friday night at the Vic against Burnley. I really would love to find out how they fare. I'll be back with a couple of final notes after this. Welcome back to Yuan's. I'm Omar Moore. And now it's time to talk about the Watford FC women. Now, their season begins this August the 21st, and they will be in the National League. That is the league that Watford got relegated to after the very difficult end to the season. And we know how painful that was against Cardiff. That was a very, very painful thing. I don't know if the Watford players have recovered from that yet, but they will be back and better. I am sure of it. And the first game of the season, as I said, is August 21st at home at Grosvenor Vale, the new home of Watford, taking on Gillingham. I think that's their new home, although Kings Langley may will also be their major home. But the first game of the season is a home game for Watford. They take on Gillingham. That game is available now on sale, so don't forget to support the Golden Girls and get your tickets now. Head down to Grosvenor Vale on the 21st of August. Cheer on the Golden Girls as they take on Gillingham. That's the first game of the brand new season for Watford. By the way, they also have a lot of new faces. They've got a new head coach in Damon Lathrop. They also have a new general manager in George Wells. And they've signed a number of new faces to come in for Watford. Annie Rossiter and Nicola Gibson among them. Georgie Ferguson, who was outstanding last season between the sticks for Watford. She signed a new contract with the Golden Girls. That was really good to see that that's what happened there. Very pleased about that. I think Georgie Ferguson was absolutely outstanding last season. Also, Emily Wallace, Malis Mehmet, Morgan Rogers, Scarlett Williams also coming in as well as new faces for Watford. And we've also seen uh, a number of other signings as well that have come in and put themselves about and they are raring to go the golden girls i think for this upcoming season very excited to see what they will accomplish this season hope springs eternal after what was of course a very difficult season last season the way it ended but i have confidence that these golden girls will be back bigger and better than ever as far as the national league is concerned no reason why it can't happen george wells the new general manager We'll see what he can do. And Flo Fife is back in this team. Helen Ward is ready to go again, once again. Megan Chandler is back. I mean, I, I think that they can really get going here, the Golden Girls. Annie Mywald is back. I mean, there's a lot of promise here. A lot of promise and a lot of reason to be excited this season about the Golden Girls and the success that they can bring to Watford with their play, have no reason to believe um, that they won't at all uh, do the business. I think they very much will do the business this season as they push to get back up into the championship, of course, from whence they came last season. So they've got a load of new signings. They have some excitement there. And I, I think there's every reason for the Golden Girls to kick on here and really rebound and do well. 
I, I've just um, absolutely liked what the promise of these signings bring. And there's a lot more to come. A lot more to come. Bianca Baptiste is also new as well. It looks like a very good um, cohesive unit now for Watford. And I am looking forward to seeing what they can do. Now, look, I want to give you some indications here of how the Watford fixture list is going to go this season. After the game against Gillingham, they will then take on Bridgewater United. That will be an away game. Then they've got a game at Portsmouth against uh, Portsmouth on the 31st of this month. Then on September 4th, they are away again at Ipswich. So they've got three away games in a row at Bridgewater United, at Portsmouth, and at Ipswich. And then they host the Cheltenham, Cheltenham Town on the 18th of September. So those are the first roughly four or five fixtures for the Watford women. I'm looking forward to what the Golden Girls can do this season. I think Watford are going to be raring to go to get out the gates starting on August the 21st. And once again, the tickets are on sale now. Season tickets are on sale now for the Golden Girls. And, the, of course, the home game, the first one of the season, the first game of the season, August 21st at Grosvenor Vale. That's the home of Wealdstone as Watford take on Gillingham. Best of luck to the Golden Girls all season long. I'll be talking a lot more about the Golden Girls when the season begins and how they do throughout the season. Best of luck to all involved, including the new general manager and the new head coach, Damon Lathrop. Don't forget to follow Yuorns WFC on both Twitter and Instagram and attend the Twitter spaces after each and every Watford FC championship game. There'll also be Instagram live as well after those games and there'll be lots more to come as well as quizzes that you can win prizes and giveaways are still to come as well. The next giveaway for the Yuorns WFC giveaways will be of the men's home shirt, excuse me, the men's third shirt, the men's third shirt, and that will be Instagram only. So if you are not following Yuorns WFC on Instagram, please do so now. That is the only way you will be able to have a chance to win the giveaway of the men's third shirt, which will be later on this month. I will be posting the information on how to enter this particular contest giveaway in due course, on Instagram, Instagram only. That is the only place you'll have a chance to win that men's third shirt for Watford FC. Please subscribe to the Yawns WFC YouTube channel if you have done so. Thank you so very much indeed for your support. If you haven't yet, please do so. It would be greatly welcomed and appreciated. And make sure you subscribe to the Yawns WFC podcast which you can get on apple or wherever you get your podcasts and for news and match reports from yours truly visit youornswfc.wordpress.com the final score again in game number two in the championship was west bromwich albion one watford one it's on to the game against burnley this friday And until then, I'm Omar Moore saying you...